Hello and welcome to the Christianese Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Fitzgerald, and today it's the War on Christmas. It's really easy for millennial Christians to make fun of the war on Christmas. I did it just this morning. We really don't think that there is a pointed cultural battle against Christmas because Christmas is everywhere. But we can't just make fun of something we either don't understand or don't think exists. This podcast is predicated on the idea of treating misconceptions, whether they're my own or someone else's, charitably. To be generous enough with our ideas to put them on an altar and see how they stack up to truth. So let's do that. Is there a war on Christmas? I think there is. But I think we fundamentally misunderstand what it is and what our role is in it. Before I get into it, you may want to go back and listen to the episode titled Evangelical. The ideas of cultural Christianity that I explore there dovetail really well into what I'm going to be talking about in this episode. Okay, we ready? Here we go. It's the, most the culture is shifting underneath our feet. Culture is never truly set in stone. It's always changing and adapting with each new generation. But right now, America is moving into a post-Christian era. As a religion, it's seen as a relic of the past, sometimes outdated, or at least needs some updating in order to be relevant to our everyday lives. In general, Christians see this as a hostile cultural move. And so we turn to politics and holidays in order to try and take the culture back. Therefore, it should not be surprising that people get angry when it comes to Christmas. This is our most important holiday, built around the birth of our Savior. But on top of that, the entire holiday is practically built upon childhood memory and nostalgia. So, of course, when people feel that it's threatened, they're going to do this. In fact, do you realize that Starbucks isn't allowed to say Merry Christmas to customers? Well, I decided instead of simply boycotting, well, why don't we just start a movement? So when I went in and I asked for my coffee, they asked for my name, and I told them my name is Merry Christmas. So guess what, Starbucks? I tricked you into putting Merry Christmas on your cup. Just to offend you, I made sure to wear my Jesus Christ shirt into your store. And since you hate the Second Amendment, I even carried my gun. Yikes. If you forget, for a moment, the fruit of the Spirit and all of the New Testament injunctions to be at peace with one another, what you hear in that clip is fear. If we're going to have a real conversation, we have to approach people like this with seriousness and charity. There is a true fear that everything they know is going to be taken away or is in process of being taken away. That fear causes people to become angry, to look at themselves and value self-preservation over Christ. And in so doing, they, ironically, themselves take Christ out of Christmas. This really is the main problem with the cultural war on Christmas or the cultural defense of Christmas. The three areas or battlefronts, if you will, that this war is being waged on are completely trivial. And each one, in its own way, forgets Jesus.
the first and most prominent, comes when Christians feel like they can't say Merry Christmas. They feel as if someone says Happy Holidays, or if a public school does not allow them to say Merry Christmas, that they are being attacked and pushed out. Of course, there's a cultural trend that says some people might be offended if you say Merry Christmas to them because they don't celebrate it. And so many Christians feel as if it is their duty to force a Merry Christmas on someone. If someone at a store says Happy Holidays or Have a Nice Day, to stare them squarely in the eye and say no. Merry Christmas. But all that person probably hears is this. And I want to look them straight in the eye and I want to tell them what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing Jesus. I don't think that's ever warmed anyone's heart. I don't think that's ever changed anyone's mind. If your primary concern with non-Christians this time of year is that they don't say Merry Christmas, aren't you forgetting why Jesus came? The reason for the season? That greeting does not contain knowledge of the death and resurrection of Christ and its effect on us as individuals. Jesus is more than just a theme for this holiday. The second battlefield is what I'll call the Red Cup Incident. In 2015, Starbucks removed all of the snowflakes, snowmen, and general winter imagery from their cups and just had a plain red cup for all of their Christmas beverages. This enraged Christians, particularly one guy who you've already heard from in this podcast. What's up, Josh Fairstein here. You know, I think in the age of political correctness, we become so open-minded, our brains have literally fallen out of our head. Do you realize that Starbucks wanted to take Christ and Christmas off of their brand new cups? That's why they're just plain red. In fact, do you realize that Starbucks isn't allowed to say Merry Christmas to customers? Well, I decided instead of simply boycotting, well, why don't we just start a movement? So when I went in and I asked for my coffee, they asked for my name, and I told them my name is Merry Christmas. So guess what? Starbucks... I tricked you. He's an angry elf. It should be noted that Starbucks never had Jesus or a cross or anything explicitly Christian on their cups. What this guy was really frustrated about was the lack of snowflakes. He then challenged Christians to take their own coffee selfies with cups emblazoned with Merry Christmas and called it a stand of patriotism and true Christianity. Now, if you've never heard this, you should know that this is not some small, obscure video I found in the depths of YouTube. This video on Facebook currently has 17 million views and almost 200,000 shares. His frustration is very common, but again, it's completely trivial and misses the mark. Now, I'm going to run to Starbucks really quickly and see if they celebrate Christmas. Please hold. Uh, everything was red and green. There was Santa Claus. There were Christmas trees. They're completely decorated for Christmas. Now that is staggering. 
a company that is notoriously not Christian changing everything about their retail store in order to reflect a holiday that explicitly is. But beyond that, all angry Christians are really asking Starbucks to do is change their imagery. And that's a problem. We're asking non-Christians to practice our cultural forms, but expect no real belief to be present. Let me say that a different way. We're asking people to pretend to be Christians for our own benefit, to make us feel comfortable. That is a Christ-less message. We may fear that people celebrate Christmas and completely ignore Jesus, but let's not pretend that images and forms change people's lives. That is a pharisaical religiosity. The third and final battlefront of the war on Christmas is Xmas. Some Christians see Xmas as the physical manifestation of anti-Christian sentiments, literally removing Christ from Christmas. Some people celebrate Christmas who want nothing to do with Jesus. But communication must have gotten lost somewhere to think that Xmas is very unchristian because it's historically the exact opposite. In Greek, the original language of the New Testament, the word Christ is Christos. It doesn't begin with a CH, it begins with an X or a Chi. And historically, this has been shorthand for Christ. Think of the Jesus fish, the Ichthus. Do you ever wonder why it's called an Ichthus? It's an acronym. Shorthand for Iesus Christus Theu Vios Sotor, which means Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. And the letter that stands in for Christ is Chi, X. Maybe the enemies of Christmas missed that, or maybe we forgot Jesus again. Here's the thing. If we are at war, we don't even know where the front lines are. We're all wrapped up and entangled in trivial issues that don't matter to Christmas at all, and in the end, make us forget Jesus. To understand what it really means to live Christianly during the Christmas holiday, we're going to have to go back to the beginning of Christmas. church didn't celebrate December 25th as a day of significance at all. In fact, Jesus probably was born in April, not December. The birth of Jesus wasn't celebrated in winter until the reign of Constantine, several hundred years after Jesus was born. At that time, a week-long Roman holiday owned the end of December, called Saturnalia. It was a festival honoring the god Saturn. Historical accounts differ slightly on whether it was a celebration of debauchery or charity. It was probably a blend of both. It was a day when people switched places, when the rich paid the poor's debts, when masters became slaves and slaves became masters, and so forth. Families would decorate their homes with evergreen branches as a sign of eternal life. But it was also a holiday of drunkenness and sexuality. In fact, it was so debauched that the word Saturnalia became synonymous with immorality. 
But there was another holiday in the middle of Saturnalia called Sol Invictus, the Invincible Sun, which celebrated the unconquerable Sun King. Constantine was raised in this cult, and when he became a Christian and saw the true unconquered Sun, the one who traded his heavenly status for a lowly one, the one who came to bring eternal life, he used Christmas as a way to influence Roman culture toward Christ. He took their holiday with their cultural forms and embedded truth into it. But Christians couldn't go around just celebrating what looked like the same holiday for different reasons and expect everyone to know why they were celebrating it. They would have to enter into their culture's forms and rituals and then tell them the true meaning behind the celebration. Now this is where you might expect me to say, and over the centuries, Christmas has changed slightly, but is virtually the same holiday we have today in the United States. But that's not true. Christmas changed a lot as Christianity made its way through Europe and eventually found its way to the United States. And the best way to understand how it changed is to follow its patron saint, Santa Claus. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. Santa Claus is based on a 4th century bishop who lived during the time of Constantine named Nicholas of Myrna. We don't know a lot about Saint Nicholas, but it is said that he punched the heretic Arius in the face during the Council of Nicaea. But that's not what made Nicholas famous. People knew his name and recognized him as a great bishop because he gave dowries to three impoverished orphans who, without the dowries, would have been forced to become prostitutes. Over the centuries, Nicholas became associated with the giving of great gifts. Jump forward a couple hundred years when Christianity finally reached Germany. Christians found pagans celebrating Yule, the midwinter festival in which Odin, a bearded gift giver, would ride across the sky on his eight-legged horse named Sleipnir. Once again, Christians looked at a cultural celebration and used the rituals that were already in place to point back to the church in Jesus Christ. They took their saint, known for giving gifts, and put him in Odin's place. And just like that, Nicholas became a central figure in Christmas. When Christianity reached Belgium, St. Nicholas became known as Sinterklaas. In England, this Odin-St. Nicholas hybrid entangled itself with a green-robed, large, jolly figure called Father Christmas. If you're not familiar with him, he's the ghost of Christmas Present in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Ho, 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 come in and know me better, man! Ho, 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 ho. All of these swirling parts were around Santa Claus, Father Christmas, Kris Kringle, Sinterklaas, but it wasn't until he came to America that his image was finalized. In the early 19th century, an Episcopal minister named Clement Clark Moore wrote a poem called Twas the Night Before Christmas. In it, Santa Claus was a holly, jolly, round, bearded figure who flew through the air not on an eight-legged horse named Sleipnir, but on a sleigh pulled by eight tiny reindeer. He came to each house, parked on the roof, and slid down the chimney to bring presents to everybody. In the 1930s, Coca-Cola illustrator Haddon Sunbloom drew inspiration from this poem to draw Santa Claus as a white-bearded, red-jacketed jolly fellow. 
In the 1930s and 40s, Coca-Cola's marketing machine took the world by storm, shipping images of Santa Claus all over the world. And his image became associated with American capitalism, which at that time was experiencing a boom. Families were moving to the suburbs, buying houses with white picket fences. They had two and a half children, one dog, and one and a half cars. And everyone wanted a visit from Santa. American families had the money to not just give each other gifts, but to have an imaginary gift giver bring presents for everyone. The season became, yes, about giving, but very much so about receiving, about getting what you really want, maybe even what you've always wanted. This is also the time when most of our iconic Christmas movies and songs were written. White Christmas, Jingle Bells, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. To us, Christmas isn't the redemption of what happened during Saturnalia. It's 1950s America. The war on Christmas isn't about protecting something inherently American or even inherently Christian. It's nostalgic. Most of us think that a Christian's responsibility in the so-called war on Christmas is to defend the holiday. But just like Santa Claus, Christmas celebrations have changed and evolved with every new culture they've come into contact with. And in an increasingly post-Christian America, Christmas will continue to change. No, the war on Christmas is not about defending it. It has a much more apostolic purpose. Just like Jesus' followers during Yule, Saturnalia, or even the shepherds in Bethlehem, our call is to go into the existing cultural form and point to how it really longs, yearns, and points towards Christ. As Christians, we're never supposed to be primarily about a cultural celebration. We're about people. It matters infinitely more what the person who makes your coffee thinks about Jesus than what picture is on the cup it comes in. You do have a purpose, a mission, this Christmas. It's all about Jesus, sharing his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the life to come. Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. And a Happy New Year! <laughs>